Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Scrubbed In Show. Before we dive in, I want to tell you a little bit about Peer. It's a platform for professionals to teach and learn from each other. Currently, you're able to create articles and quizzes to build a personal brand, grow an audience and earn a passive income. We're ending ghostwriting and being taken advantage of. Currently, people are sharing great articles and quizzes ranging from medical and dental topics to health tech, to consultancy, to reflections on the job. Everyone has something to teach and something to learn. Check it out at www.peer.io. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Scrubbed In Podcast. I hope you've all been keeping well. This week we have with us another amazing guest. We have with us Dr. Yusuf Smith, who I'm sure you have seen all over Twitter and social media. He's a competitive gymnast, a medic, a powerlifter, and one of the coaches at Propane Fitness. Um, it's a massive pleasure to have you on the show. There is a lot to be discussed. Uh, how are you, buddy? Guys, thank you for having me on. I am well. How are you guys? Uh, very good. good. Thank you. Um, I'm sure, like we, we, we mentioned off camera, is your, your Instagram, Twitter must have been blowing up right now with all the DMs. And after the recent revelation you made, um, which was essentially the reasons as to why you kind of left, you know, or quit the NHS. Um, we're going to touch on that shortly, but I think what's more interesting is kind of to see your journey up until that moment when you made that decision. Um, so if you don't mind, we're going to take it all the way back, Yusuf, to a young Yusuf, rather. Um, share with us kind of the initial phase of your journey in medicine, when you decided you want to kind of be a doctor. Sure. When I was about... 16, 17, standard 16-year-old, didn't have any idea what I wanted to do with my life. And I thought, mm. I'll just go into the the default option of um, like, oh, I do maths at A-level. I'm all right at maths. I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll do that for, for a degree. So I, I did maths and business. And then during that time, um, myself and my, my business partner, Johnny, we were quite into training at the time. We set up a blog mm. for um, training, literally just documenting our thoughts and experiments as we went along um not thinking much of it over time after a couple of years started to gain a bit of organic traction this was back in the day 2008 2009 where you could literally rank on page one of google for broad topics or you could put five pound behind a facebook ad and it would reach thousands of people so (laughs) very different time (laughs) on the internet and we started to get a few people messaging us saying, "Hey, would you um, would you be interested in uh, in coaching me?" And we were like, "Oh, well, we never really thought about that." But okay, mm-hmm. so the reason I'm mentioning this is that that was kind of a background desire to condense and synthesize information from the evidence base and from our own experimentation and data into helping mm-hmm. other people. Yeah. Naturally, the logical progression of that is at least in my mind at the time as a 20-year-old, was clinical medicine because Mm. you're applying the evidence base of human physiology into helping someone. Mm. So I started working at an investment bank, recognized quite early on, in fact, probably just before starting, that I'd taken the wrong turn very early on, but I thought, (laughs) it's too late now to go back and do medicine. Like it's, It's a long training pathway and... And then I read a chapter in a book um, by David Dada, as well as which I'll come on to in a second, as well as a, a quote from Earl Nightingale saying, um, "Don't 
something I'm paraphrasing here, something like yeah. don't avoid doing taking the path that you want to take because of the time it'll take because that mm-hmm. time is going to pass anyway. Yeah. And it was like, ah, yeah, actually, if I delay it, I'm only going to have to make the same decision, but being a more senior investment banker with kids mm. and family commitments and all that stuff. So I was like, well, I might as well make the change early on. And as you guys know, doing medicine is kind of a calling of the soul. And if you if you ignore it, you end up oh man ju- yeah you you just you get the itch so i was like right yeah. <laughs> i'm just i'm just gonna have to go for it so so made that change converted into um stop well left my job after a year did medicine during that time propane which was this this blog was like slowly gathering momentum but yeah. wasn't profitable enough to do full-time never considered that would yeah. be the case um mm-hmm. then after F1, F2, it had kind of got to the point where it is pulling up my sleeve too much. Like the, mm. the time commitments and the the demands and everything were really saying like, this is what I need to pursue for now. I'm, I'm very grateful for the fact that medicine is such a versatile career. And also mm. it's kind of on the end of the risk barbell where, yeah. you know, on entrepreneurship, software, VC, capital stuff that's like super risky and you could end up, yeah. you know, 2 million in mm. debt versus medicine which is low but very predictable very secure income and so it's something that you can always come back to so i think the optionality that medicine as a career gets you is massive and so Mm. that's that's kind of where i'm at right now i felt like it would make sense to to just go to to kind of double down on what i'm doing right now the internet moves fast Mm. and you these opportunities don't hang around so no that's where i am now Definitely. And so kind of going back, so you kind of did a stint in investment banking, then kind of had this calling to do medicine, went through medical school, became a junior doctor, all while kind of growing propane fitness. Correct. All right. And tell us a bit more about what propane fitness is. I'm sure over time, as with any business, it's pivoted, it's kind of grew Mm -hmm. and developed. What is it? What is it now in this moment in time? So now it's actually two, there's two arms to the business and Mm -hmm. they've come about organically because... The first one was just Johnny and myself. He's a competitive powerlifter um, at world level. I'm a much crapper powerlifter. I'm, <laughs> um, I've done nationals back when the standard was was a lot lower, but never got kind of beyond that. Um, and my my L five S one isn't very happy with me um, either for doing so. Um, <laughs> so it started off as a way to help people to gain muscle, lose fat get yeah. fitter um improve their improve their physiques how they felt and performed in their bodies the type of content we produced was very mm. to use the cliche evidence-based and very mm. nerdy and grounded in the in the physiology mm. and as a result the kind of people that resonated with our content tended to be personal trainers and people who were quite mm. kind of systematically minded so as a result mm. we ended up getting a lot of people who were PTs signing up with us and mm. saying, oh, can you also help me with your systems for coaching and how you deliver your yeah. your programs? So now we've, we've started to kind of, we, didn't, we thought we didn't really have a product for that, but we've, we've developed something now to help trainers do the same thing. So now we do both. Yeah, okay, amazing. which is amazing. amazing. Um, it's kind of similar to what we kind of launched recently, but 
kind of before we move on, as I'm sure you know, a lot of medics that are coming through are tech savvy. They're all kind of startup founders already. You know, they're super entrepreneurial. Having been quite successful and having run something for a long period of time, what advice would you give to these medics um, that are starting out? Oh, 100% stick with it. I think what you guys are doing with Pia is incredible. Like it's it's exactly what the market needs in terms of matching the, well, de- decentralizing teaching yeah. and giving people access to much more of that. It's, I think adding in some elements of a free market plus yeah. ability to to earn some money on the side. Yeah. We all know that none of us went into medicine for the money it's yeah, not yeah. it's not a lucrative career we are underpriced relative to the skills and training and everything else and so mm-hmm. really it's it's kind of we're seeing this pattern more and more that medics are looking for portfolio careers or alternative yeah. sources of income yeah and so any skill that you can apply yourself into there is a huge overlap as well as the kind of venn diagram of your, your medical training, your medical skill, and whatever else you combine it with will always give you some kind of unique edge. We're seeing a lot of medics go into coding. I think the kind of the ways that our brains work or have been molded to work seems to match well with, yeah, with exactly. that. Um, a lot of medics I know are incredible communicators and mm. again, allows, allows so many options there. So yeah, I would say keep on with it, even though being a junior doctor is tough in terms of the hours the circadian disruption all of that stuff it's very hard to maintain a Mm. another project but Mm. the job will take as much as you allow it to so you have to set your own boundaries and decide how satisfied am i with my speed of you know medical career progression yes if Mm. i want to be like the biggest hotshot hematologist and dedicate all my (laughs) all my time to to doing that then you know go hard on that but Mm, yeah the 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 job will always it'll always take whatever you put into it so i think and because of the the personality characteristics that medics are very industrious very Mm. um bordering on obsessional with the ways that we approach work we have to be the ones to put in the boundary and say actually i'm satisfied Mm. with this now yeah no I, w- I want to take it a little bit back now um, into sort of your journey in medicine, um, sort of making the switch from investment banking, sort of scratching that itch now. Um, walk us through sort of first medical school uh, foundation training. Walk us through and talk to us sort of where there were specific sort of um, points in time where you thought, hold on a minute, this isn't what I expected or hold on a minute, this was a calling where I really, I really love this sort of patient contact dealing with this, but this, what, what's this about? Cause I never expected that. So walk us through your journey uh, with those moments. So I think what you're probably referring to, Ami, is the, the amount of time that you spend as a doctor doing non-clinical stuff. Mm. Um, and this was something I mentioned in the, in the thread about, you know, the number of hours that we would all spend. And, and this is, partly from my my experience in my particular trip, yeah. but also um, <clears throat> external audits saying that the doctors are spending, that they said an hour a day doing admin tasks. I think that's laughable. I think it's way more than an hour. <laughs> way more. It takes an hour to book a scan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, de- dealing with technical difficulties in some form, you know, coming in early, 
and opening up your computer and Citrix receiver and Microsoft Teams is spending five minutes to load and then you have to go and unjam the printer and print off the, the jobs list and, <laughs> and, you know, all this stuff that is not core to the job of delivering patient care. Mm. And we went into this job so that we could diagnose and treat and care for patients. So exactly. that's a, I mean, that's a big source of frustration, probably across healthcare across the world. I'm sure, I'm sure we're not unique to that, but mm. I think it's certainly worsened by using outdated tech, underfunded mm. um, technology, misallocation of funds. And I think what's frustrating is the kind of the fact that it's it seems like it's almost deliberate um, mm. from from the powers that that be. You know, there's always a suspicion yeah. from from many NHS staff that it's being deliberately squeezed to then kind yeah. of throw the blame at at the frontline staff as if it's the mm. as if it's the fault of of them rather than the, the kind of systems that we're we're operating within. Mm. Mm. I think it may be a bit controversial. Um, but a lot of things that were flying around were it's easy for Yusuf to kind of, you know, put this out there and he can easily quit his job and go back into propane fitness or whatever. You know, you're making a decent amount of money there. Um, would that have been the case? Let's say you are a you know, medic, super frustrated, um, not financially compensated on par with your bankers, lawyers, and you didn't have propane fitness. What would the, the narrative been that way? To, to be honest, I, I would have probably stayed within, I would have stayed in medicine. It's it's an amazing career for many other reasons. And the only reason, mm. that, well, the, the big driving force for me leaving was just other projects that exactly. need my time at the opportunity cost. Um, yeah. If I wasn't fortunate enough to have been working on a business for the last 10 years, yeah. then there is so much joy to be found within medicine as a career. There's so much training opportunities, career growth, satisfaction, and luckily... Mm. it's i assume the majority of your listeners are doctors that yeah. it's such a wide-ranging career you know you can either hyper specialize into a particular branch that you love or portfolio career live the mm. the gp life you could go doing the laptop lifestyle in bali as a private radiologist if you want <laughs> yeah. you know, it, I, there's there's a lot within there so i don't mean to downplay the the benefits of of working as a doctor and, and as a lot of people rightfully said on the on the thread mm. the there is career progression and the pay does increase over time mm. my, my point was certainly not that we are underpaid in absolute terms just simply mm. from a return on investment and i think yeah um you guys clearly recognize that with with what you're doing and with yeah, the yeah. with the amount of side hustles that we're seeing yeah among young medics all the time now yeah no definitely i do genuinely believe it's medicine is something it's what you make out of it um and i'm also of the, the the concept of fulfillment and satisfaction contentment if you're hating to go into work every monday morning why should you have to continue doing that um you know and i think there's a lot of things being thrown out as soon as you leave the nhs you're, you're a traitor you kind of went against the office you, you know all of this that comes the narrative <laughs> yeah. right and i've certainly like, got lots of messages along those yeah. lines <laughs> so i was going to kind of touch on to that it's I think what you've done, you know, is incredible. You kind of shared some frustrations and aired it out. But in doing so, you've kind of exposed yourself and made yourself very vulnerable. 
and I'm sure a lot of people did a lot of backlash messages you've shared. How did you deal with that side of things? Yeah. Which is a bit more interesting. So I, I guess to address the first thing of the, you've turned your back on the NHS during the pandemic, you traitor, etc. I suppose the first question is how how many years of service do you do you have to reasonably do to say okay, I've now done my bit. Um, fortunately, as as medics, we are totally replaceable. We we're not unique. You know, I I'm I'm I've just finished my F two. I'm not a I'm not a spectacular doctor. I'm totally standard, um, and the, there's not a recruitment crisis because people are still flying into medicine because it's because of all the benefits we've mentioned mm. in terms of dealing with so, so i think that's from the outside it seems like a reasonable thing to say you've yeah. you've been a traitor but actually that place will get filled and the system won't even notice so that's um exactly. and i've heard ali abdel talk about this as well where if we're yeah. talking from a lives saved perspective the average mm. doctor saves i think it's seven lives in in their lifetime yeah. i don't know how they've calculated mm. that but he was saying you could save many more by earning more money and then putting that into a malaria fund or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of dealing with the kind of the backlash on Twitter, some of it's reasonable. And I, and, and I think it's, it's always useful to have these conversations with people. If you put aside the kind of homophobia and the, the abuse and the, all that kind of stuff, which yeah. are just standard Twitter trolls. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's, it, it I didn't expect it to, yeah. to to go so to go so wild. I think uh, I was just writing some random thoughts. Really, yeah. if I'd known that it would have it would have blown up, I wouldn't have made flippant comments about Apple computers. People seem to get really hung up on on that, and it's like, yeah, why I, Apple? I don't, yeah. I don't why mate. Apple? <laughs> oh, you know, being a medic is you know we're already seen as you know these snobs, elitists, and then you have Yusuf out here saying Apple computers. He Apple computers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean the. The underlying point is um, that it's just a better user, you know, some kind of better user interface. Or similar, the, I, I said if nurses could prescribe paracetamol, we would receive 90% fewer phone calls. People yeah. took that very literally. Some people were like, well, I'm a nurse and I, I can prescribe paracetamol, so you're wrong. Yeah. You're like, okay, like the, the, <laughs> the, the underlying point here is that if there is a bottleneck in a large system with multiple teams, yeah. then that is going to slow down the entire throughput of the process. It's not about... The paracetamol, you know, yeah. um, and so I think what happens with with Twitter is that with any social media platform, people use it as a way to um, confirm their existing views. And yeah. so if something if something doesn't match their existing views, it creates a cognitive dissonance yeah. and they lash out. Um, yeah. So really, it's just a way, and and it, I think that's partly the reason why people were retweeting it so much. You know, it's it's not about me. It's it's because the things that I said represented someone's unarticulated thoughts about yeah. their experience. And so they share it because it it's a platform for them to voice their own opinion yeah. too. Exactly that. I really think it's it was very important actually that you've voiced that because in the NHS, we also have a lot of uh, sort of people who feel trapped, who feel like their skill assets are only sort of confined to the field of medicine. Um, this podcast, we interview great, great doctors, surgeons, but we also interview people who have gone uh, sort of left medicine, gone into different fields. And I think what's really important to understand is that medicine, the, the degree and foundation training gives us a really broad spectrum of skills. And if we're not happy, we can 
take up the option to go somewhere else and we can sort of go into consultancy or our own startup or project um hence why i feel like the postman also viral amongst students as well because some of them were a bit disgruntled like i made this decision at 18 and now i'm 21 and i'm living like, it forever now <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. the the what do you call it the the time sink right uh, like crap how can i now now not be a doctor when i spent 5 years studying um so i really really sort of appreciated the actual um sort of foundations of what you were saying and how, i think a lot of people actually responded positively would you say the same yeah it, it was generally positive i think it's simply just the nature of the mind that you know the the negative thing and the abuse and stuff just sticks out in your mind but actually yeah. it was overwhelmingly positive and i'm i'm very grateful for the amazing um, for that and 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 i'm also so glad that you guys are empowering people to do that and to widen their options um yeah, amazing the idea of people having an alternative source of income i think it's more and more accepted now but certainly yeah it's looked down it was looked down on and it was it was seen as either lack of commitment or and you know even if it's something within medicine you know i um i've spoken to the guy behind geeky medics Mm. and he said he he's faced resistance in the past of uh from people saying oh you know you're not focused on this career and and that is a directly medical project that he's doing (laughs) you know free medical education i don't know how it can be any more appropriate so you know at the end of the day, hate is going to hate. Literally. <laughs> yeah, literally. Now, we're, we're, yeah, we're big advocates of the side. Yeah. To be fair, I don't know if you experienced that yourself when you were working, you know, in junior F1 and F2. The medics that had things outside of medicine, you know, the side hustles, the, you know, content creation, they seemed to be a bit more content with being a doctor, more satisfied. You know, it wasn't the end all be all. The whole identity wasn't made up of being a medic. Mm. I don't know if that's something you experienced as well. I'm sure it's a hard graft doing both, but... So how much did I put my identity into being a doctor? Hmm. It's it's funny, isn't it? There's many other careers where you you aren't the job that you do between 9 to 5 or, or between uh, 8am and 9pm as a, as a doctor. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think I was, I was also lucky that I um, did it late, a bit later on. I think um, it, one of the things you touched on there was when someone is 16 and their 16-year-old decision is, I like science and I'm a nice person, so I want to do medicine. And that's mm. as far as it goes. And then they realize that during the formative years of their life when their, their personality is being formed and actually this has been all-consuming, all and then there's mm. the sense of sunk cost and the sense of identity. And if I leave, then I also, what am I as a person? Where's my self-worth yeah. gone? Yeah. All of those things, are, I think they are fallacies. And it's, mm. the, you know, mm. medicine, doctors are immensely skilled and immensely industrious. And if we had to hire a new person now, 100%, I would hire someone in healthcare. I would hire a specialist mm. nurse uh, or a doctor because they are super skilled. They're usually postgraduate educated they are underpaid for for what they do and so the, you know um the, the it's so it is so versatile and a lot of the skills that you gain as a doctor are yeah. kind of just taken for granted that like oh well yeah, of course absolutely. i need need to do all these things to practice medicine but they are stuff that are so much look so much um so needed stuff, in mm. in the private sector the ability to yeah. switch between 
precision-based stuff of if you're doing something procedural, then you have to prescribe and make sure that things are ordered and then you check your jobs list and make sure that you are organized with prioritizing tasks. And then you have to go and deliver bad news to a patient and tell them that their that their family members died. And you have to switch yeah. between these activities so rapidly and still yeah. maintain a, a emotional balance while you're doing this is um, a skill that you only get yeah, by right. being a doctor. No, definitely. So now looking ahead, right, tell me what the future holds because you've gone from a really stable career of let's say ST1, 2, 3, 4, 5 and it goes on and you end up as a consultant, you've got your wage coming in monthly to now I can take propane fitness anywhere. Where? What? What's the short-term plan? What's the long-term plan? Um, how do you feel about it all? So it's probably the same for you guys as well. That um, mm. if as you're going, if, if as you're going along, if something happens to Pia where, boom, overnight you get five media features, and then suddenly you yeah. are, um, or you you've got yeah you got two thousand referrals, and and the company mm. turnover goes from ten grand a month to a hundred grand a month. Yeah. There's a point where you're going to be like, oh, actually, this needs my attention now, and yeah. you're going to need to like uh, mm. put a, put a pause on on medicine. Um, exactly. You know, I think it has the the potential to do that for you guys. Mm. But as I said earlier on, it's it's a great career in that it can be paused. Um, yeah. There mm. are certain specialties where you get penalised for doing that. Obviously, yeah. surgical specialties are kind of known for the fact that you have to explain they'll murder you <laughs> yeah if, if, if you took a month out locoming and it wasn't yeah. directly <laughs> in a surgical, surgical you'd be asked yeah. about it yeah <laughs> that that is true i think my my advice changes in terms of when people ask me what to do in their careers i've been a big advocate for taking f3 kind of taking mm. a break from foundation training resting also exploring other things and just do things that make you happy i don't think it's fair for anyone to kind of have to wake up on a Monday morning and feel like, you know what, I hate my job. It naturally will reflect in patient care and safety. But um, when you kind of take a step back and realize the disparity of what you thought medicine was like at 18 years old mm. into kind of doing the job, you know, as an F1, um, there is a big, big discrepancy that a lot of people aren't ready for or don't realize it's there. It's um, a very good point. And it's wide ranging enough to never have to hate your job. Um, Maybe in the okay in the early phase when you have to just do a certain number of specialty rotations potentially in specialties yeah. that you don't you know you don't have an interest in then yeah you've got to just do the time yeah. but long term yeah. you, can... you can direct it in such a way that you you shouldn't have to hate your job and yeah. it's why I'm so pro GP I know GP mm -hmm. there's a little bit of um, I guess interdisciplinary banter you could call it where where people will take the mick out of gps yeah. and vice versa but um at the end of the day it gives you the most flexibility you can set up yeah. your week as you want to if you want to do education and be a gp trainer and all these all these things open up to you um yeah so i think we're we're very fortunate that within or outside of medicine and this is another thing you know like if you have a, a side hustle um mm. even though it's a cringy term but you you don't <laughs> you know it depends what you're optimizing for if you're optimizing mm. for for reach and satisfaction and impact and engagement that's different to optimizing for profits and yeah. neither of them are right or wrong but it's about what what life do you want how do you want your week to look like long term and i think if you if you have that as your north star and then reverse engineer 
mm. you're much more likely to be fulfilled as you go along. No, definitely. Absolutely. I, I like the, the the thinking and rationale behind that as well. Um, kind of figuring out, and I do agree, GP probably is, it's on the cards for us in terms of mm. continue to have some sort of clinical input, but at the same time, allowing us to pursue and do what we want to do, which is obviously kind of socialized education. Um, another thing I want to touch on is obviously you have a good insight into health and well-being and fitness. A lot of doctors are just getting rinsed with on calls, nights, weekends. I, ho- I heard someone say after a long shift, they went and pissed out 50 mils of oolong colored tea, right? They're so dehydrated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what, what, what advice would you give kind of, um, to kind of medics that are kind of rushed off their feet in terms of looking after their health and well-being? We, we don't take care of ourselves. You get a call <laughs> from a nurse being like, oh, this patient hasn't passed urine in seven hours. You're like, I haven't passed urine in 14 hours. Like, yeah. yeah. So the, this is something that I, I'm sure you guys have seen with new F1s, for example. Mm-hmm. It's a big shift in cognitive load and bandwidth and time, and especially if you're moving to a new city at the same time. Mm. And from the cohort that I've seen, Often one of the early signs is that people's weight will trend either upwards or downwards, depending on their coping mechanism. Mm. And so my, my coping mechanism is I forget to eat. My, my weight trends down and I get kind of okay. run down and, and so on, get, start getting ill and things. For other people, the coping mechanism is the Krispy Kremes and Equality Street on the wards. Yeah. And so weight trends up. And I think it's important just to just to catch like what it what is my personal coping mechanism yeah and how can i counteract that it's not easy to finish a an on-call shift and then say right now i've got to go to the gym it's it's the last (laughs) thing last thing you want to do um and although yeah you get your steps in if you're working in a hospital it doesn't feel like ten thousand steps of walking out in the countryside it's it's definitely Mm. like stressy steps yeah. <laughs> so i think if you you just have to prioritize that you are not just a brain floating around in the hospital being asked to do tasks like you are housed in a body that you need to take care of mm-hmm. and we seem to lose sight of that because we're so busy looking after other people mm-hmm. that actually we don't take care of our own machinery so um carving out time for that and seeing it as non-negotiable Mm-hmm. having a meditation practice having a training practice making sure that you're um you're keeping your weight at whatever your whatever your target is um mm-hmm. and being aware of your coping mechanisms the other thing obviously is um i, I assume you guys don't drink as well but mm-hmm. um alcohol and yeah. and drugs are big coping yeah. mechanisms for for yeah. doctors i think there's the, some of the highest rates among uh, among doctors so um it's a bit glib for me to say, like, oh, don't drink, but yeah. <laughs> it certainly doesn't help. And keeping an eye on your total alcohol intake, not letting it creep up is a big one. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Have you got any tips on uh, how medics can manage their fitness? Because exercise is incredibly important um, for because you're, you were a medic and you were exercising and getting yourself into the gym when's the best time or when's the optimal time that we can probably squeeze some gym time into it or a run in? How would you, how would you give some advice on that? Personally, I find that the evenings are always more busy than you think. And so Mm. getting a training session up done in the morning is usually the only option. 
if you're on a surgical job and you've got to be in for 745 it's it's not not always possible That's happening um <laughs> but i guess you've just got to do what you can so morning sessions are, are a big one for me setting your training program rather than saying like oh i have to do exercise a b c and d on monday and then whatever expand the definition a bit and say okay my weekly training split is this and it's just a to-do list the list of exercises mm -hmm. that need to be done at some point and then shuffle them however you find best give yourself a bit of wiggle room is always mm -hmm. helpful and then you know that you can tick off the the movements without without problem the other thing obviously is if you have the luxury to cycle to work give mm -hmm. you or walk give yourself a bit of space and breathing room just to bookend your day i think going from a busy shift and then getting in your car and boom you're home and yeah. it doesn't give you enough time to just process what's been going on no definitely really nice. really i nice. do think there are little things we can do um, and i think it pays correct me if i'm to kind of give it a conscious effort now and reap the benefits a lot down the line mm. then to kind of get through it and only realize you know you know you've progressed to become an st1 great but at the forsake of your relationships your family your fitness your health and well-being and then you've, you you'll fall even more of like mm. you know what what did i do very wise words yeah i think um it's easy to just say oh just this one bit i'll just i'll just put my my health to the side and just get over yeah. st1 oh i just need to get my mrcp out of the way and then <laughs> yeah and there's always going to be something to to have to do and it becomes harder and harder the further you let yourself drift to get yeah. mm. back on course again no of course yeah absolutely definitely i think when you made your tweet and i retweeted it the thing i said was it's a shame we're losing such highly talented people from the nhs that are entrepreneurial innovative and problem solvers right it's always the entrepreneurs that are like that and they're the people you really do need in the situation it is now um what would you say that the nhs can do or you know we as individuals still in the system can do to help retain talent because the last thing you want is a brain dump right that's it's very kind of you to say that um i i certainly don't see myself as exceptional i think there's some amazing people that that we've worked with and i'm so glad that they are choosing to stay in the nhs because it's mm -hmm. exactly what it needs um something that someone suggested on one of the one of the threads was exit mm. interviews and you're like oh yeah it makes so much sense that the rest oh. of the, the every other organization when someone leaves they do a formal exit interview they close the feedback loop they collect information on mm. why is it this person has left is there anything we could have done and it solves these problems and i think a lot of the root of the, the frustrations that we all share is because there is there are inadequate feedback loops so yeah. there might be something which you are dealing with day to day for example you request a blood sticker and it always prints out from the the printer three wards down and you have to walk over each time and and mm. then oh it's not on there as so you go and you go back and you request it again and you're doing that that wastes you know 45 minutes mm. a day that you because we are all just wanting to get the job done we just hold it together and just just carry on that doesn't get fed up the chain um so whoever the the, the middle manager is that's um meant to that, that would normally receive that information doesn't the, the loop doesn't close things mm. carry on whereas being willing to or, or having space in your day to say okay i'm gonna 
I'm going to get this sorted is what's needed. The problem is sometimes you don't have time in your day to, to call yeah. IT and report a, a printer issue because you've got other clinical duties. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know what the... <laughs> yeah, no, of course. I think, I think that that's, that's really important to be able to just listen uh, and gather feedback because I think if they were... I mean, they probably are aware that it takes an hour to print off a label, another hour to send off a referral to a community center and stuff. It's just about actioning it as well. So I agree, feedback, sort of exit interviews, gathering the feedback and then actioning it is so important. Otherwise, we are just going to sort of leak doctors out of the system. Um, you can only you can only hold it together for so long. So, yeah, I mean, I have to say, like, th that's definitely improving now. Like the, you know, this is the audit cycle that you've described mm. there and, yeah. and there are there are people doing fellowships in informatics and, and luckily these are clinicians who are doing it so they actually recognize what are the yeah. tasks that that need fixing mm. um but it's going to be a slow process i think part of it is a culture yeah. shift as well one of the things i wrote in the tweet was the the idea everyone's always heard but we've always done it that way and yeah. that is not a suitable response for a system that isn't working you know, yeah. just because it, continuity is not sacred. It's not something that needs to be maintained just for the sake of it. No, Absolutely definitely. And I do feel the new generation of medics coming through a bit more. I'll describe myself as someone, if I'm told to do something a certain way, I'll do it. I wouldn't really question it or raise issues with my consultant. Um, whereas the new cohort, I've seen they're a bit more straight up they'll question things they'll try to innovate they'll try to improve and be like why am i doing it like this and you know millennials. Okay, you had to work yeah <laughs> do you know what I mean? like i don't care you had to work three days <laughs> in a weekend without any rest and all of that stuff like they'll flag it like they'll they'll take a consultant to the side and give them a bollocking like yeah. i've seen in my own eyes and i think i would never so, dare to do that seeing that right on my <laughs> surgical job as an f1 right you know you had to come in like half an hour early to arrange the list and yeah. everything I always used to question, why do I need to come in half an hour early? I'll do it when I start work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the number of bollockings I got for that. Yeah. Well, but your you, thing is, you're perfectly reasonable to say that. Like, of unless, course. <laughs> because you're, you're contracted to start at eight. And if they say, oh, well, you, you need to have done half an hour of work before you start. Well, fine. But build that into my contract then. Like, yeah, this it, it's not. A, it, it, I'm surprised that we even have to make the Talk case for this. that. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's, it's but, a but shame. It's the whole case of it's been, uh, we've always done this, right? The previous F1 did it and the previous and the previous. So when and I came because, along and I would literally. <laughs> well, the, the previous guys did it again because of the character profile. We're all, we we, we, we want to just hold the system together. It's goodwill. Yeah. It's wanting yeah. to um, to do the right thing. And, you know, but that that's kind of a, what, what that is, is adjusting for market failure. Yeah. yeah exactly literally exactly. <laughs> i think it's a shame but um, i do hope we do see some change i do hope mm. changes are made to retain and look after doctors and it's not even doctors nurses and healthcare professionals as a whole right um and it's refreshing to see people kind of come out and express it kind of put it into words it was one of the reasons why adam k's book this is oh, going to yeah. hurt was so popular because it yeah. just put it into words how you felt. And I've done that SHO ONG job, right? And <laughs> it is 
barbaric. Like, he is wild, that job. And I could echo what you were saying, right? And, and it's like, like oh, it's one of the yeah, reasons why it's so popular. Yeah, like, you know, you're doing a C-section, there's blood spurting all over your face, your hair, your eyes, and you're thinking, like, why did anyone care to tell me about this, right? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> it, it is good. And I do want to see people being a bit more honest about the reality of it all, because I do not think it's fair for medics to sign up thinking it's all roses and sunshine and daisies only to kind of get smacked in the face realizing a lot of the time is admin non-clinical duties running around and thinking oh do you know what i kind of got mugged off i was told about this amazing career and here i am <laughs> do you know what i don't want to talk too much before i start ranting <laughs> <laughs> don't go on now <laughs> you, you raise an important point though that people are afraid of talking about these things because of what you know repercussions of, of whatever yeah. form they they come in mm. um but i guess the the first step is authentic conversation about this and seeing how things can mm. can change and then closing that feedback loop and seeing yeah. how we can improve things i mean saying that i am optimistic about the system i think as you've mentioned there, there are generational shifts in attitude and culture yeah. there are systems mm. in place now for fellowships and system improvement um my only worry is that it's either too late or mm. that the funding patterns are going to continue and that there will be kind of more and more red tape to actually implement these problems, which is the big one, particularly mm. tech-wise, because, yeah. as you know, you can't just pause patient care while you roll out an update to a system. You have to push mm. it out live. And so mm. doing that in a system that's already running and at capacity is very difficult. So sometimes you've just got to be like, well... Yes, it's held together with tape, but we've just got to leave it as it is because it's too dangerous to start unpicking yeah. it live. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. That is very interesting. I think um, it is going to be exciting to see what the next few years hold. Uh, and like you said, you're always open to kind of coming back to it. And I think that is the case for other individuals that have left. Um, mm. Unless propane fitness kind of takes over and like you, you don't have any time to spare, which is which is <laughs> fair enough. And you'd, you'd want that as well. Um, but yeah, we're positive about the future. We're to see how it unfolds but i think it was important for us to have that conversation with you and for people to see you're not just this wild random guy who went on an outburst on twitter which was a lot of things people are telling us right and <laughs> we felt it was a duty kind of like no you know what yusuf what he's saying is it sound is a lot of frustrations mm. people are feeling and kind of normalize it i know it's, it's a bit weird to hear but you know that's what we were told right like mm. you know you're getting this random guy on who who is he and i'm glad we did this yeah, me, me too. Well, I, I, I very much appreciate that. And uh, I think there's some really, really interesting points you guys have, have mentioned here. So thank you for having me on. No, it's Amazing. been a pleasure, Yusuf. We'll take care and all the best with propane fitness, mate. Cheers, man.